It's called wokeness, and it's a plague. A plague that places tyranny before freedom, criminality over virtue, and hate over love. It's a plague that threatens what millions have died for. Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. We will fight it. We will defeat it. We will eradicate it. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the least woke man in America. Hello everyone, welcome to leastwoke.com and another episode of the least woke man in America as well as the home of the Never Woke Nation, a group of people who will never be woke, a group of people who understand a morally just society that dev devoted to individual rights, individual liberty, like America has been, unleashes human potential like no other place in the history of mankind, and that is what leads to the pursuit of of happiness life liberty in the pursuit of happiness which of course is the opposite of wokeism we talked about it last time what is woke what is wokeness done to the society you know what wokeness has done to the society good people looking over their shoulders when they go to talk you know how it works someone who started working in high school now in their like late 60s early 70s 50 years contributed economically to the society, probably still volunteering and doing things for their family, no felonies, no misdemeanors, a mature, responsible, productive life. And they're the people that look over their shoulders saying, well, I voted for Trump because, you know, I really thought he cared and wanted to do the right things for the country. Those are the people that now look over their shoulders. On the other hand, Little Miss or Mr. 600 bucks spent this month on marijuana, but the car insurance is doing. There's a tirade about big effing corporations and greed. And, you know, there's all money for the tattoos and for the tinted windows. And, um, you know, children scattered all over the place they don't take responsibility for. Those people seem to have no reservations about not only saying what they think, but monitoring what everybody else has to say and whether or not they're racist or whether or not they understand what they're saying and whether or not they're woke. So the Never Note Wake Woke Nation is aware of all this and we're not putting up with it anymore. Not out of meanness, not out of aggression, but out of understanding of what is right, what leads to a good and healthy society, out of an appreciation of what this country is has done and have managed correctly the way the founding fathers who we are not ashamed of regardless of some of the sins in their life like slavery yeah they owned slaves which wasn't right it was kind of the way things worked back then which isn't good but their character was still exponentially better than some of the riffraff who could call themselves woke some of the leaders of the democratic modern democratic party Adam Schiff, Nancy Pelosi, when you take Thomas Jefferson and George Washington, despite all their major character flaws, men like Benjamin Franklin, James Monroe, over it's Chuck Schumer. So we're not woke. We will never be woke. And we understand all this. And whether it's don't say gay, whether it's gun rules, whether it's the environmental nuts, 
we're standing up to all of it. So more than I planned on for this intro, but I wanted to get the point across because there's a lot of people in this country who need the point across. No more kowtowing and tiptoeing to complete undisciplined, uneducated morons. And just because they racked up a hundred grand in student loan debt somewhere and got some garbage degree from a bunch of leftist American professors, there's a difference between that and being educated. Two very different things. So the main topic for this episode is the inflation problem. And as I mentioned in the title, inflation. We have like an onion inflation type thing where there's multiple layers of it and the more deeper we go in the layers, the more we cry. It's painful. And it didn't have to be this way. Okay, so we'll do a producer recap with inflation. Um, a lot of you joke, I know people like it, I call it the producers, the people who make the country work. And frankly, the people this podcast is geared toward, and I'm sorry to say it, the only people I really care about. If someone's a trust fund baby with purple hair and hates this country, um, you know, the type, you know, that mommy and daddy just spent 50 grand a year on college tuition and he's running around talking about the capitalist structures, man. The capitalist structures, man, they're meant to hold us down, man. You say, well, I know a guy, at black, grew up in an inner city, poor, joined the military, was in for 20 years. Now he's getting a military pension. He just started a welding business. He's proud of this country and he's doing well. How do you explain that? Well, you know, man, it's about the, it's about the probabilities, man. I can't really explain it, man. My professor, he knows it, man. My professor, man. He even met Bernie Sanders, man. He met Bernie Sanders in person, man. Anyway, so that's not a producer. The producers are mature, responsible people who make this country work and in the process are busy during the week raising their families, working, etc. So I do a producer recap to try to uh, bring together the issue in a clear, concise way, the opposite of the way our mainstream news quote-unquote, media and journalists do. Inflation. So we go back to the beginning of the pandemic. I think that's a good place to start with all this. March 2020, um, the 14-day lockdown, which in communist states like New York, where I'm doing this from, you know, went on for years. <laughs> to this day, there's still stuff going on. So whatever. But the real national 14 days to stop the spread, remember all that, everybody went in their houses, uh, the government came up and stopped working. You know, not everybody, healthcare workers and other people obviously kept working. But anyway, there was essential workers, non-essential workers, people working from home. Government dispersed all types of money like it's never been done before to keep everything going. Now I'm going to, within that, and there's a reason why even the President Trump at the time, and there's a reason why even fiscally conservative Republicans agreed with it because we are in uncertain territory. And we didn't want economic Armageddon because there's a cost to that as well, right? So there's a cost to letting just massive bankruptcies, foreclosures, that leads to divorce, addiction, just chaos, crime. Because we didn't know at the time how bad the virus was and how to handle it. So we came up with PPP, enhanced unemployment, all these programs. Okay, so that was phase one. Trying to do the responsible thing, trying to create a floor as far as how bad things get. We get it. Um, it was all taken way over the top. Uh, a lot of money was, trillions was created, trillions was wasted. Look at the enhanced unemployment alone, a joke. 
and there's millions of these stories. I I, I knew of a family where uh, the two high school kids who live with their parents were lifeguards the previous year. They couldn't lifeguard because of COVID. And so they were getting $800 a week unemployment to sit home as high school kids. And those stories were all over the place. Okay, so that was, uh, there was no thought in the $800 uh, a week. It was uh, just thrown out there, went on forever. You had that to so many other programs. And it was just like a bonanza. Everybody and their brother was starting a PPE factory. The whole thing was, anybody who has any appreciation for money, which is different than greed, as I've talked about, you know, there's a difference between frugality and a respect for money between being greedy. Um, it was a disaster, all right? So that led to inflation. All right, so you take our monetary supply, and I want to put a, another link, which I think I put up once, but I'm going to put up again with Larry Kudlow on Fox Business showing the uh, graph, the monetary supply, which means the amount of money in circulation, the amount of money created, what, like never before. I mean, the Obama 08, 09 financial crisis uh, did a similar thing, and that was another jaw dropper. You know, human beings were weird creatures. It's like the four-minute mile. Jim Fix does a four-minute mile, and then everybody does a four-minute mile. It's like as soon as a boundary is passed, and everybody sees that's possible, it's in our nature to take it a whole new level. The fear is gone, the apprehension. So we kind of saw the Obama 0809 playbook, where astronomical amount of money was created to bail out the banks and uh, stop the financial system from crashing. So COVID comes along. Now that playbook has been put in place, which had everybody with responsible people kind of nervous back then because it was so unheard of to create so much money out of thin air. So we do take it, take that on steroids for COVID, right? So the monetary base goes like that. Subsequently, which is always the case, the price of copper, uh, aluminum, steel, everything goes up. Oil, it has to. It has to. It's like a thermometer with mercury in it. As it gets warmer, the mercury expands. That's how we know what the temperature is outside. There's nothing secret about it. That's the way it works. So that has to happen. Okay. So you flash forward. That's the first two layers of call the onion. COVID money, which at first had a good intentions, the abuse of COVID money. That's the second layer of the onion. Then we supposedly elect Joseph Biden to be president of the United States. He's a member of the Democratic Party, which of course is a wholly owned subsidiary to environmental nutcases. Okay, the big, that party is financed not by labor unions anymore, abortionist, labor union, or excuse me, environmentalist uh, nuts, and all types of, not, it's beyond like gay and lesbian this way. It's just, uh, you know, I don't have a problem with gay and lesbian people. It's a complete gender circus, pedophilia based freak show. Okay, so, um, he gets in, like any card-carrying Democrat, modern Democrat, not as much the older ones, he has to go right after oil. He has to. It's like in their DNA at this point. He's a wholly owned subsidiary of oil haters, and they have to. So, and like I've said before, your Democratic friends will go, well, what piece of legislation is Biden signed that is really hit the oil fetches? So, but the point is, because of Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema, uh, he, they haven't, in the Senate, tried to pass any fossil fuel-destroying bills, per se. But the, Biden is President of the United States. He appointed an energy secretary. And um, I should know who he is, but I don't. Uh, that's how much I've just disengaged from the whole work weekend at Bernie's Biden presidency. Just can't take it seriously at this point. But 
Department of Energy has incredible power. So this is, you know, before Russia, Ukraine, don't blame that now. But prior to Russia, Ukraine, you have a, a uh, president owned by oil haters who has now appointed a Department of Energy uh, secretary. If you're oil companies, why in God's name would you spend billions of dollars in further research, development, extracting oil out of the ground? It takes billions of dollars and not months, years to make all that happen. Why would you do that? Only to have, you know, the pickup truck show up with the government group got out with their hard hats on and picking through everything and looking for fines. There's so many, without passing legislation, there, there's so many indirect ways they can make your life a living hell. And the oil company exec executives know that. So, um, so everybody in Wall Street takes into account. You know that American oil output will not explode under Biden. And like any resource, I, I don't care if it's jelly beans. If you know the demand is going to keep going up, but the output is not going to keep going up with the demand, then that always leads to a price increase. So when your smart-ass friends or idiots on social media who got that cute little, well, what is by? You have to understand how the real world works. And you have to have an appreciation for money. You have to own an appreciation for private enterprise. The oil companies are owned by their stockholders. Not Joe Biden, not AOC, not Karl Marx. If they don't want to spend the money, they don't have to, period. So when Biden stands on the podium like he did before, remember a couple weeks ago, uh, he's going to force the oil companies to use those federal leases. And Democrats being typical Democrats, they always look that, that way. They look like the, uh, you ever been at SeaWorld when the guy with the fish comes out to feed the seals? Oh, 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 oh. So Biden gets out there and he's going to get tough on, it's always the CEOs and the billion, why they're all using those products made by billionaire, multi-billion dollar companies, while they're all sucking up the CEOs for their donations, while most of them own 401ks and stocks and billion, multi-billion dollar companies, Biden gets on the podium, he's going to go after them, and it's just so pathetic to watch. It's so stupid, it's so pathetic, there's no thinking behind it, there's no truth behind it, it's just bullshit. So anyway, you got Biden. So you got first layer, COVID, COVID abuse, Biden, okay, then Russia, Ukraine blows up, okay? Russia, one of the biggest oil producers in the world, happens to go at war with Ukraine, which doesn't produce, I don't think Ukraine produces oil, but it's still a mess. And so that layer gets added on, but that's the first layer. You don't, <laughs> so that is now the ultimate get out of jail free card for the freaking tree huggers and capitalist haters in the White House. And it's just, Give me a break. You know, back to Trump, I talked about the thermometer and the mercury. The difference between Biden and Trump, first of all, I, you know, and then uh, the chihuahuas can fall out of their chair laughing at me. But again, you know, the people who are looking over the shoulder, the grounded, common sense oriented people that make this country work, know what I'm about to say is true. Vladimir Putin would not be in Ukraine if Donald Trump was President of the United States. Done. Period. Okay, so get that out of here. The other part is Donald Trump. Um, and I, I have been a big critic of Trump's personality, his lying, his character flaws, but I support him as president in 2020 because there's no comparison. I mean, I was one of those people very skeptical in 2016, I'll be honest with you. But he followed through, and maybe he followed through on that list. There was no used car salesman like I thought. 
He was hell-bent that whether it's the border, whether it's all the other stuff, he was hell-bent on making it happen. He lives and breathes to get stuff done, which is why, you know, these deranged divorcees and daddy issue groups can just, and just people who generally hate how their lives turned out, can rage about his money and trust fund baby and blah, blah. No, you can tell by personality traits he has. He made money. He might have started pretty well, but he's no dummy. So anyway, so Trump at least had the intelligence, the respect for business, the economy, etc. To understand that mercury was going up in the thermometer. And so he would have been hell-bent, whether out of pride, ego, love for the country, bragging rights, whatever you want to call it, to get that mercury back down. Where Democrats, they're just complete oblivious to the mercury because they have philosophies and practices that even if uh, they want to bring the mercury down, they can't because they believe in stuff that's not based in reality, like the oil situation. All right, So that's the problem with utopian visions, which they live for, is that you're, you, know, you need to go north. Uh, the compass is pointing north, but you always have to go south because out of just complete foolishness. I mean, look at Trump. Trump, his first state visit to a foreign leader, country, you know, the real, that's the ones with a lot of pomp, where there's a lot of, uh, everybody dresses up nice, they have a big state dinner, blah, blah, blah. He went to Saudi Arabia. He didn't go to England. He didn't go to China. He went to Saudi Arabia. Why was that? Um, and he knew the prince, Prince Salman. He's like a psychopath. He's the one that killed that reporter, Khashoggi, I think his name was, in Turkey. He's a psychopath. He's not a good guy. And so the media, of course... And there's just never-ending need to psychoanalyze Trump, turned it into, well, Salomon's a psychopath and Trump's a sociopath. So just like with him and Putin, it all makes sense. That See, that's the way it's going to work from now on. He doesn't care about all allies in Europe, even though he increased NATO spending more than anybody else. The, uh, he, he gets along better with the psychopaths because he's one himself. Not knowing that Trump pinpointed what is the number one killer of an economy inflation it's taken down empires it's taken down dictators you name it what leads to inflation high energy prices so if that means you have to get on a plane and kiss the rear end of a psychopath on the other world because your country has become addicted to the resource they sell you do it all right that's reality it's not a utopian vision so that's where we stand that's the reason and as a country right now as far as um how do we get through this well, my God, you have to have at least people with the right map in their hands. If you're trying to get, like if I was trying to get, I'm north of Syracuse, wanted to get here from north of Syracuse, but somebody gave me a map from here to uh, uh, Ottawa, Canada, which is an hour and a half away, I, I, I'd be in big trouble. So you, you, you can't have the wrong map. You have to have a respect for how things work. So now the fertilizer situation is getting just as bad. And then Samantha Powers, who probably has never grown anything in the ground her entire life yesterday talks about how well switching to compost and manure and stuff the planet farms 550 million acres to feed the 8 billion people on this planet what do you think in may you pull some rabbit out of your rear end and create new agricultural methods that's going to get us out of this mess. There is just a profound respect for reality. It's like if you get enough Ivy League degrees 
and PhDs in the room, you don't have to worry about the way things have worked for hundreds or thousands of years. It's nuts. So from a societal standpoint, uh, from a country standpoint, I mean, we just have to, you can always see things where like he's changed the ethanol uh, mix and stuff. They're starting to realize that, that this is spiraling out of control. And the Federal see what's going to happen here is the Federal Reserve is really going to jack rates because Western society revolves around debt, right? It revolves around U.S., Europe, it always has. Well, I mean, not always, but really in the last hundred years, right? So if your society revolves around debt, the banker is the most powerful man in the room. That's just the way it works. So the Federal Reserve is going to increase rates. That's already, I can feel it. I run a small business. Real things are slowing down quick. Luckily not for us, but overall, I could talk to salespeople, talk out and about among the, the, I am around the people, our country, our leadership, the Democratic Party and our media despise. I'm around the look over your shoulders crowd every day and things are slowing down. And so um, that will, you know, bring prices down, but then you have the fertilizer, the diesel fuel situation is nuts. I cannot believe how crazy that's gone the last 72 hours, $6 a gallon. That alone could bring this country to its knees. So the rates are going up. That's going to slow things down, but then you have the fertilizer and diesel over here, how it all nets out. Oh, and by the, the employer shortage, the truck drivers getting 110 grand a year, which they work hard, they deserve it. And frankly, if they, they're only only people, if you can keep your blood pressure down and keep THC out of your system, that's the way the world works now. You're worth, worth six figures. So um, how that all debts out is just beyond me. But there has to be some type of recalibration with reality, which for a leftist is very difficult. Very, They live in a world of perpetual frustration more than anything else. They just, they, 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 they're they the group that has just read so much and thought it through right since middle school. They're on a higher plane, surrounded by morons. They're the part of the 5% that get it. It's just a life of perpetual frustration. And then they hit this wall called reality and everything explodes. And, um, and we are the people just holding them back. Like we can't even imagine how much we're holding them back. So that's in a, in a nutshell. The inflation situation is, um, it's scary. Uh, let's not kid ourselves. It's, uh, it's uh, you know people trying to support families, uh, small businesses, especially the ones that aren't critical, like going out to eat, uh, vacation, resort type places. I, I really feel bad for them because uh, you know a non-essential home improvement stuff, gazebos, swimming pools, uh, skylights, you name it. I mean that stuff is going to take a hit here as discretionary income goes down. There's this fool. Well, I wouldn't say foolish, but there's this idea that the other thing that will stop inflation is that a lot of people still have money put away from COVID. And it's statistically, there are high savings amounts right now. And until that money is burnt up, inflation won't go down. And I, I, I have trouble believing all that just because I know the personality types of people that still have that money. And they're the type of people who hold on to it, wait for everything to cool down or even crash, and then buy stuff up. It's not They're not going to sit down and just squander it. And, I, and I'm not saying savings people are good people and people can't save. But I mean, when you get an economy like this, with things going this fast, you could have the most disciplined people in the world. If they're two middle-class people with two or three kids, they're not going to be saving money. They're going to barely maybe put money in a 401k. Probably not. And that's really embarrassing. The whole thing is embarrassing. And I'm not going to end this on a negative note because um, right now the current situation is embarrassing. But for the non-woke, for the never-woke notion nation who can connect the pop, uh, 
uh, pieces of the puzzle, we know the potential is still there. The potentiality is still there. It's just being bottlenecked. Our country, uh, unli massive free land, open land, almost unlimited timber, tons of oil in the ground, and next thing you know, middle class houses are 390, 80, what I hear today, 373 grand. It's no different. It is not much different than um, Venezuelans picking garbage out of dumpsters a couple years ago, or and even right now, it's not good under uh, big mouth Chavez, typical leftist, huge mouth, hating America, just ruins the whole country. Maduro, he's a crook, his little sidekick. So Venezuela sitting on the, literally sitting, people sitting, standing on the biggest reserves in the world eating out of garbage dumpsters, all right? So you have that. You have the pilgrims, like Rush Limbaugh used to talk about. I'm sorry, I'm just trying to grab an article here. You have the pilgrims come to this country. Uh, I don't know the details, but the first winter or the first year they were here, they kind of grew stuff together. It was like a big garden where everybody works together and blah, blah, blah. Get into winter. Literally, some of them starved to death in the winter. And they were hungry. They ran out of food. The following year, they came up with what we call now more of a capitalist system. They split the lots up. Everybody was responsible for their own crop. And then you traded at the end of the year. And obviously, the more your stuff you grow, you have incentive, the more you can get from other people through trading. They had a surplus. All right. So, and then one thing I found amazing last night, I was reading this. Russia, which is now the number one wheat producer in the world. Okay, they passed us, which isn't a big deal because a lot of our farmers switch to corn and soybean for a lot of different reasons. So it's not like our farmers are slacking or things are wrong here, but that opened the door for them to produce more wheat. Okay, so Russia has always been a big wheat producer. They are now, and they were under the czars. Guess what time, the only time Russia, Russia had to import wheat during the Soviet Union when they were communists. Collectivism. Here's the quote from the Wall Street Journal. Russia was a giant of world grain markets in the early early 19th century. But as the Soviet Union's collectivized farming system floundered, the country began importing huge quantities of wheat and other crops in the 1970s. Russian agriculture has rebounded since the turn of the century with the country's wheat output, far surpassing that of American farms in recent years as U.S. growers shifted away from wheat into more profitable commodities such, such as corn and soybeans. So like I said, it's no big deal. We just switched. But the point is, the only time their output was anemic was when it was collective, collectivized communist. When AOC and Pelosi and Adam Schiff, were, Chuck Schumer were sitting up here and the peasants were down here puppeteering what was supposed to go on because it went, you know, because they were so much freaking smarter than everybody else. That's the only time that Russia had to import wheat. All right. So what's that? What 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 does that tell you? So again, so we know the potential is there. It's just been bottlenecked that the are all bottlenecked from purple-haired freaks, from don't say gay, to the AOCs, to the Bernie Sanders with the economic part, to the crazy environmental BS. It's just been hamstrung. And to the crazy taxes, which, let's not kid ourselves, pay for massive social services, massive amounts of laziness, dysfunction, etc. Um, so that's why... On the one hand, yes, this is could be a brutal year, 2022. Let's not sugarcoat it. It could be a brutal year. There's no magical wand. Like I said, if Trump 
If someone at least cared about bringing the mercury down in the thermometer at some point, maybe a year or so ago, was flying the plane, understood economic realities, and cared about the average person, we could be in a different position now. But we're not. And uh, this country's economy is huge. It's like the Titanic or a huge ship. Uh, if you want to turn it 300 yards for something, for, you know, 300 yards from now, from here, you have to start right now, or even more than probably half a mile, even if you want to change course a half a mile away, you have to start right now because it takes so much. So, um, but the potential is there. It's been, always been the case. There's only one utopian vision that has ever actually helped the world. And it's the utopian vision in the Constitution of the United States, Jefferson, Washington, Madison, Monroe, uh, you know, ben, Benjamin Franklin, Hamilton, and yes, they own slaves. They own slaves. That's the only, the, that, that, there is no, um, that's where we are. There is no focus on the substance of the men and the philosophies outside of slavery, which wasn't right, and what it produced. Name any other utopian vision that worked that unleashed that much potential. There, there isn't a second place in human history. But yet we're supposed to tiptoe around the people who are the biggest threat to that. So, like I said, we need to be the oncologist here and just keep fighting the cancer, okay? Because it will kill us um, to don't say gay, to all, all this nonsense. And I, and I think it's working. And like I said before, just to recap, as I mentioned before, there, there's been some big uh, things here. I talked about Zelensky and what the Ukrainians have done uh, in one podcast, Musk, and Twitter, DeSantis, and Disney, decisive action in troubling times, and we will get through this. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and of course, with the massive, massive abortion news out of the Supreme Court, we will have another podcast on that. Until then, uh, Never Woke Nation, keep fighting ahead, and I am the least woke man in America.